0: Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 110, A Double Standard. Hi, I'm Neil. Apple is a Wall Street and Silicon Valley leader. In terms of financials, we can look at revenue, operating income, free cash flow, shares repurchased. On all of these metrics, Apple is in a league of its own. We can turn to Silicon Valley, look at products. Apple has the best-selling, most profitable smartphone tablet, smartwatch, and wireless pair of headphones. Now, while we can debate a few items here and there, I think most people will agree that Apple should be classified and regarded as a leader. And as part of this classification, Apple should have a bullseye on its back. Leaders should be held to a higher standard. Today's episode is going to focus on how Apple isn't just held to a higher standard. Apple is being held to a double standard. A massive curve is being used to grade companies not named Apple. And the situation is only getting worse. We're going to go through some of the examples Of this massive curve, and that we're going to go over why I think this is happening. I think there's a number of theories. And at the end of the episode, we're going to quickly go over what I think are maybe one or two solutions for trying to remove or break apart this Apple double standard. There is nothing wrong with holding leaders to a higher standard, which means applying additional criticism, maybe additional skepticism. I think that's a good thing, and I think that's what we should strive for when we look at leaders in terms of the corporate world. One phrase that I like is that leaders cast shadows, and so for a company that is considered a leader, well, to not be held to a higher standard, I think everyone loses. I think competitors lose, consumers lose, employees lose. Accordingly, this episode is not about Apple being applied to a higher standard. Instead, the problem is that other companies, some of which Apple competes with, are being elevated as leaders. In some cases, these companies are said to be outperforming or beating Apple in certain core competencies. But despite being cast as leaders these companies aren't judged by the same high standards as Apple. For example, Microsoft, Samsung, Google. These are companies that are said to be one-upping Apple in areas like hardware and design. However, it has become very clear these companies don't face anywhere near the amount of criticism thrown at Apple. We can also look at some companies... That deserve to be put on a pedestal. Amazon, Tesla, Tencent, parent of WeChat. These are companies that are doing great things in terms of building promising customer relationships. Yes, we can debate some of the profitability concerns of Tesla and everything. But that's another story. There is no question that those companies, they're focused on the customer experience, and they deserve to be considered a leader. However, these companies just aren't exposed to the level of cynicism facing Apple. In my opinion, a company that is heralded in the press as surpassing Apple as a leader should face the same high standards that are used to judge Apple. That seems pretty simple. The thing is, it never happens. The bullseye that is on Apple's back is never taken off and applied to another company. At this point, it is relevant to go over some examples of how companies and products are being graded on a massive curve. And this list of examples, it's long. And it's not an exaggeration to say almost every company not named Apple is being graded on a curve. We will begin with Samsung. This past April, Samsung released its Galaxy S8 flagship smartphone. The tech media went crazy over it. They positioned this phone as a very clear sign of Samsung taking the smartphone design baton from Apple. It was that Samsung was now the design leader. The Galaxy S8 was said to be standing apart from iPhone and every other smartphone. You had YouTube vloggers really just go crazy over this phone. I think it's important to mention some of those YouTube vloggers have financial ties to Samsung, but that, again, could be another topic. The narrative facing Samsung was that here is a company that was able to beat Apple to market with a smartphone that both lacked a dedicated HomePod and had a very high screen-to-front-facing bezel ratio. But something interesting happened. Only a few days after the smartphone launched, problems began to appear. And I would actually say this is becoming an annual event where Samsung has a very large keynote. It is well covered. The company has a lot of good press. But then a few days later, things start to come up, well, this feature or this technology isn't quite what Samsung said it was supposed to be. Basically, these key attributes of the device are shown to be gimmicks. And so for this year, the example was facial recognition. Well, it turns out that Samsung's facial recognition software was easily spoofed with pictures. It's not clear to me how something like that happens. How can a technology have such a drawback, yet still make it into a flagship phone? Samsung was in fact forced to backtrack in terms of positioning this facial scanning as a secure biometric identification method. So it was pretty embarrassing. The takeaway from this isn't that, oh, well, Samsung made a mistake and it should be penalized. Every smartphone manufacturer makes mistakes including Apple. Instead, this major problem with facial recognition, it should have led many to reassess their claims that Samsung was the smartphone design leader. No one thought, well, maybe Samsung isn't beating Apple as we thought. We could look at another critical element of Galaxy S8, fingerprint readers. By removing the front-facing home button, Samsung faced somewhat of a dilemma. What do you do with the fingerprint reader? They decided to put it on the back of the phone, and not just really anywhere, but right next to the camera, so it's a very awkward position. And what was so interesting about this was that this design choice, which I think is very questionable it became apparent to everyone very quickly. If you read all of the Galaxy S8 reviews, nearly every single one of them mentioned, yeah, I don't. this is a really weird feature. It's a really weird place to put a fingerprint reader. Instead of being labeled as a major design compromise, many reviewers, they just brushed it off. They figured it's just an awkwardly positioned fingerprint reader, uh, just a Samsung quirk. If that same situation happened to Apple, <laughs> the, the outcome would be dramatically different. Leadership would be questioned. Johnny Ives' vision, of course, would be questioned. The company's strategy would be put into doubt. But at for Samsung, it was just business as usual. That's what's called being graded on a curve. And this is just one smartphone from Samsung. You can repeat the same exercise with most of Samsung's products these days. The next example of a company being graded on a curve is Microsoft. On Wall Street, Microsoft is a comeback story. Stocks doing extremely well. Investors are buying into the refined narrative around enterprise. For tech sites, that narrative isn't exactly the most exciting one. So a lot of people have been focused on the Microsoft Surface business. So this is the lineup of various, I call them laptop-tablet hybrids. You can even start saying desktop-tablet hybrids. The type of reception that Microsoft has received for Surface has been remarkable. I call it basically two years of constant media praise. There's very little skepticism, very little pushback, pretty much no cynicism. People look at Surface as an example of pushing the boundaries of personal computing forward. Unlike Apple, Microsoft is viewed as the company giving consumers something they want before they even know they want it. Sounds a little familiar. Microsoft's Surface business is being graded on a curve. In reality, the product category is losing in the marketplace. Consumers are showing very little to no interest in tablet-laptop hybrids. Microsoft releases Surface revenue every quarter. This isn't a situation where you're estimating it, such as Amazon Echo or Apple Watch sales, which we'll talk about shortly. So we have revenue numbers, you can track year-over-year growth, you can go back a few years to see how the overall business has done in terms of overall adoption. Is this a product that is making inroads into the consumer market? No, it's not. There's no evidence that consumers are really embracing this. Despite poor sales, there has been no discernible change to the surface narrative. Meanwhile, when Apple reported a similar decline in sales for iPad, the company's entire strategy and vision were questioned. Even today, with iPad sales stabilizing, people are still questioning Apple's iPad strategy. For Microsoft Surface, the goalpost continued to move. At first, this was a product targeting consumers. Then that morphed into, well, it's more or less consumers that are creators. And now it's morphing into, well, it's a product for enterprise. Similar to how there's nothing inherently wrong with Samsung having an issue with the S8, there's nothing wrong with Microsoft saying, well, we're going to kind of focus on a different target market with Surface. Okay. Companies do that. However, there's no change to this narrative that Microsoft is outpacing Apple, that Microsoft is out-innovating Apple. There's no evidence to support that. And yet the claim just continues to be made year in and year out. The next company, Amazon. There is no company today that is currently receiving more praise than Amazon, both on Wall Street and Silicon Valley. Some of this, one could argue a lot of this, is justified. Amazon should be considered a leader. However, a very strong case can be made that Amazon's product strategy is being graded on a curve. Stationary speakers, powered by Alexa, are positioned by many as the future of personal computing. The scary part is there's very little debate about that. There's very little in the way of pushback. I actually find it astounding. I think it's a sign that the tech community has elevated Amazon Echo and Alexa on one of the tallest product pedestals around. Every single article that's written about the smart home now includes this boilerplate language referencing Echo as a resounding success one of the most popular products out there. In reality, Amazon has never disclosed Echo sales, and unlike Apple with Apple Watch, we don't even get many clues as to how the Echo is selling. You then look at these new devices, Echo Show, Echo Look, very questionable products. It's funny how tech reviewers, they're kind of bending over backwards to appear like, well, it is kind of weird, it's kind of new, Maybe there's a market for this. Compare that to the reaction to Apple's HomePod. The sheer level of skepticism facing that product. A device that no one has been able to test. The only type of testing occurred in sort of a controlled environment where we got to listen to HomePod next to a few other speakers. How is there such a difference? and market reaction, and the press's reaction to these products. I think Amazon's being graded on a curve. One is allowed to talk positively about stationary speakers piping voice assistance in a home. One is allowed to say, you know what, this is a new computing paradigm. This is going to be the future. That's fine to say. And I'm sure there are pieces of evidence that you can find to support your claim. But if you're willing to say that, if you're willing to elevate Amazon in such a high position, the company should be facing the same high standard as Apple. I don't think that's occurring. I don't think Amazon has a bullseye on its back. The next example, Google. Notice how basically it's every company here. Google is said to be getting better at hardware. A lot of people are looking at Google Pixel, the new smartphone from Google, and they're saying this is a sign that Google is actually beating Apple in terms of hardware. I saw a few people saying Google is now the new design leader. Similar to Amazon and Echo, you can certainly make the claim that Google is the new design leader. I'm not quite sure how you support such a claim, but let's look at reality. There are a growing number of signs of Google just continuing to fumble forward when it comes to hardware. For a smartphone that doesn't sell, Google Pixel has been getting a ton of coverage. In the beginning, it was overwhelmingly positive. And now, recently, there are a number of issues that are popping up, and they are being well covered in the press, which I think is fair. But my reaction is, why did Google receive the benefit of the doubt in the first place? that's never afforded to Apple. We can look at Apple's decision to remove the headphone jack from iPhone. Months before that was announced, you had people saying the move was stupid and something that is not good for users. We have Apple removing Touch ID from iPhone 10. People now doubting that Face ID is better. There's nothing wrong with skepticism. There's actually value found in cynicism from time to time. Yet, if Google's positioned as the new design leader, well, why don't they receive the same level of criticism as Apple? Google's being graded on a curve, that's why. The next example of a company being graded on a curve is Tesla. On Wall Street, Tesla receives its fair share of criticism. It doesn't seem to do a whole lot in terms of the broader marketplace on Wall Street as Tesla's valuation continues to do really well, but the tech community, they really push back against Tesla. We can look at Tesla's growing manufacturing struggles with the Model 3. Missed deadlines, they're, they're just ran off. They're said to be typical Elon Musk antics. Now look at Apple's manufacturing struggles say, for the iPhone 10, Those struggles are viewed as a sign of bad decision-making. Both companies viewed as leaders. One company, their manufacturing issues are just sort of, well, that's part of the story. With Apple, it's something is wrong. Jeff Williams is making a lot of mistakes. The next example, Snap. One word says it all, spectacles. In the beginning, this product was viewed as the next big thing, sunglasses with a camera. It was looked at as a sign of Snap innovating faster than Apple. Since Snap didn't have any distribution, they did what turned out to be a pretty good PR stunt, and that was have a vending machine for dispensing spectacles. And it was interesting how this was covered in the press Because you have one vending machine with a really long line, and people were saying, well, look at Snap has just as much buzz and interest as Apple during one of its iPhone events. In fact, look at these iPhone launches. They don't even get lines anymore. It's a ludicrous claim to make, but people went there. People looked at spectacles as, well, this is maybe the next realm of computing. Meanwhile, Apple, they're so stuck on the iPhone, they can't think of this. They have a lack of imagination. One of the worst types of criticisms you can apply to a company is say that they lack the imagination of coming up with products. Apple can't even see it, some people said. Not surprisingly, spectacles flopped in the marketplace. We have sales data. We have new reports coming out of how much of a disaster this product Turned out to be. I think maybe the worst piece of news is that people don't even want to be seen wearing them anymore. That's the thing. These are just regular sunglasses, by the way. So even if you don't want to use the camera, you could figure, well, just buy these as sunglasses. People aren't even doing that. Spectacles and snap, they were being graded on a curve. At this point, we can turn to an Apple product to see what it means for Apple to face a double standard. Apple Watch, one of Apple's four primary product categories. The stark difference in how Apple Watch and Amazon Echo have been portrayed in the press highlight the double standard facing Apple. Neither Amazon nor Apple officially disclose product sales for their respective product category. Although it is important to point out Apple provides many more clues regarding Apple Watch sales. So despite not having any official confirmation from either company, it's interesting how Amazon Echo has been declared a resounding success in the marketplace. While Apple Watch receives a lot of doubt, a lot of criticism. Every time someone goes out saying Apple Watch is doing well, you get people saying, well, we don't know for sure. Apple never really said anything. A little while back, I took all of the clues that Amazon provided regarding Echo sales. Again, there weren't many, but there were some. And I have my Apple Watch sales estimates, which I'm very confident in because, again, Apple may not seem like it, but every quarter they provide a new clue regarding sales. So you add all the clues together, I think you actually get a pretty good handle on unit sales. If you compare Amazon Echo with Apple Watch those product categories were actually selling at roughly the same pace during the first half of 2017. When you then consider Apple Watch sales at an average selling price that is probably more like five times that of Echo's, it's clear Apple Watch is the revenue winner. In addition, I made the point that if you consider how some people may have four or five Echo devices spread out around the home, I actually think Apple Watch has a wider user adoption. However, judging from the amount of press coverage given to Echo and Apple Watch, it sure doesn't seem like they were selling at the same pace. I sure don't hear a lot of people, other than myself, say Apple Watch is the future of personal computing. I don't mind being an outlier with that claim. (laughs) So why is Apple Watch momentum and sales success not reported while Amazon Echo is sort of the next big thing? It's because Amazon doesn't have the same kind of bullseye place on its back compared to Apple. The company just doesn't receive anywhere near the same amount of criticism or cynicism as Apple and Apple Watch. Another example of how Apple is held to this double standard is China. There is no question that Apple has its fair share of problems In China. And this is not just a near term thing, but really for a number of years, it seems to be problem after problem. And it feels like the press do a pretty good job at highlighting all of those problems. In reality, Apple is the best selling Western brand in China. It's not even close. Apple will bring in $45 billion of revenue this year in Greater China. We're talking upwards of 50 million iPhones. No one talks about that. It's not even just an iPhone story. If you turn to Apple Management Commentary, App Store in China, sales growth is doing fine. iPad and Mac are doing fine. Apple retail store traffic and sales, which are interesting metrics to measure for an area where Apple is trying to build its overall ecosystem and brand. Both of those numbers are up year over year. However, judging by the press coverage of Apple in China, the company one step away from implosion. It's either competition from the low end, which is by the way not new or unique to China or we have companies like WeChat said to be stealing Apple users, a narrative that we recently discussed. I think there's a lot of holes in that story. It's fair to say Apple's strategy in China is being severely questioned. It's a lot of criticism out there that's why i think the lack of criticism that's being put on other companies regarding china is noteworthy amazon facebook netflix these are companies considered to be leaders they're considered to be among the most innovative entities today they should be held to the same standard as apple they have little to no presence in china it's not a stretch to say some of those companies will never have a presence in China. Yet that reality is not viewed as a problem or a risk or a hindrance for those companies. People just ignore it. China is positioned as sort of a wild card opportunity for those companies, it contains just upside. That's it. For Apple, it's the exact opposite. China is all risk. Little to no upside. That's what you call a double standard. Why does this happen? Why is there a double standard applied to Apple? Why are competitors being graded on a curve? I have three theories. The first is people like underdogs. Maybe I'm being too optimistic here, but I don't think people necessarily want to see Apple fall. Instead, people want to get behind the underdog. It makes for a really good story. We can look at Andy Rubin's Essential, getting into the smartphone market as an example of this. There was quite a bit of press coverage in the beginning that positioned the Essential smartphone right next to iPhone. Some sites ran with stories saying this is an iPhone threat. Apple should be nervous or scared. Well, in that case... Let's apply the same standard to both Essential and Apple. Let's apply the same level of skepticism and doubt or criticism, whatever you want to call it. Let's apply that to both companies. Well, for Essential, there was a complete lack of skepticism. There really wasn't much proper analysis regarding the company's chances. I just don't think the smartphone should have been positioned as a genuine iPhone threat. But there's plenty of other examples of this underdog mentality. Microsoft Surfaces battle against the Mac and iPad. Some people just can't get enough of that story. In reality, there isn't a battle when looking at sales. We have Amazon's Alexa outpacing Siri. Samsung beating the iPhone in terms of design. Google trying to beat Apple with hardware. Tesla trying to grab more buzz than Apple. All of those stories, they're interesting. They get people reading. They get people talking. That's why they're covered. And I think that plays a big role in why there is this double standard facing Apple. A second theory is that there's a founder bias there is a tendency out there for people to give companies run by founders the benefit of the doubt. Meanwhile, companies like Apple, they have a much higher bar to jump over. Let's look at Facebook. Very few people make much out of Mark Zuckerberg's growing list of bad product bets and lack of vision. We could go every year. He positions the company sort of in this direction and it doesn't turn out to do anything. Zuckerberg's fascination with VR is at worst just sort of laughed off. Leary Page, Sergey Brin for Alphabet. It's widely known and mentioned that they seem to have a lack of focus here, but it's never questioned in terms of the grand vision. Jeff Bezos can do no wrong. There's plenty of examples of Amazon making mistakes that doesn't get the attention. Instead, essentially, if Amazon looks your way, if you're in a particular industry, watch out. Amazon will crush you. Elon Musk, few question his vision regarding Tesla. Few are questioning the strategic blunders and holes that are found in Tesla's strategy. Meanwhile, when you look at Tim Cook and Johnny Ive, each step they take is questioned more than the previous step. The only difference between all of these companies is that Facebook, Alphabet, Amazon, and Tesla are led by founders, while Apple isn't. I think that contributes to a double standard. My third theory is that Apple is misunderstood. The company lacks a strong narrative both in Silicon Valley and on Wall Street. Now, while much of that is due to Apple's own doing, I think we can place blame on Apple management for this. My suspicion is the situation leads to unknown regarding how to actually judge Apple's performance. Many people still view and grade Apple as if it's a technology company. Well, as we have discussed in previous episodes, in reality, Apple is a design company. They should be graded differently. I think this contributes to an elevated amount of skepticism, cynicism, being applied to every Apple action. This brings us to the topic of solutions and what can be done to stop this double standard from being applied to Apple. There is no question that the high standards currently applied to Apple should not be lowered. That is not a solution. That is not an answer. Consumers benefit from Apple facing a high standard. Apple employees benefit from being faced to a high standard. And I think Apple competitors will benefit from Apple being faced to a high standard. We could take a step back. And say that leaders should be faced with high standards. We can even say they should be faced with higher standards going forward. Leaders should receive an outsized amount of attention and criticism. That's a very crucial point. And said what needs to take place going forward is that the bar has to be raised for companies not named Apple. If a company is said, To be outperforming Apple or beating Apple in some regard, that company deserves to have a bullseye placed on its back. Similar to how pretty much everyone benefits from a high standard being applied to Apple, I think everyone would benefit from that same high standard being applied to other companies. When it comes to underdogs, there will always be underdogs out there. I don't think stories should romanticize this David slaying Goliath narrative. Instead, I think the focus should be on the challenges and risk that an underdog faces going up against a leader. When the underdog runs into a roadblock, hits a brick wall, that should be covered. It should be talked about. It shouldn't be just sort of pushed under the rug. They should be covered just as closely has all of that initial optimism that often meets the underdog in the beginning. Apple is a polarizing company. This guarantees that Apple will face an outsized amount of skepticism and cynicism going forward. I don't think there's any question about that. At a certain level, Apple management expects that, and they're okay with it. They're used to it. Apple designers, engineers, they are used to having their decisions be met with skepticism. I think it's time that that same level of criticism be given to companies that are said to be giving Apple a run for its money as a Silicon Valley and Wall Street leader. If that happens, not only do those companies benefit or the employees at those companies, but I think consumers will benefit. Everyone benefits when leaders are held to a high standard. That's going to do it for today's episode. Looking out over the next couple of weeks, things are going to get pretty busy around here. We have Apple scheduled to report earnings next week, Thursday, November 2nd. The game plan is for me to preview that earnings report a few days earlier. So we're going to go through all of my sales estimates, commentary methodology behind the estimates in order to be prepared for that earnings report. Once Apple releases earnings, I will then publish my reaction, my review of earnings. So we'll go over the major themes, what was surprising, what was good or bad, and then we'll also go through my full notes. So I talk about every topic that I think is worth mentioning. Both my earnings preview and my earnings review will be sent exclusively to Above Avalon members. And that will also include my expectation meters, which a lot of people find helpful for quickly assessing how Apple performed. So if you're currently an Above Avalon member, keep an eye on your inbox. All of the information, all of the analysis will be sent there. If you aren't currently an Above Avalon member, but you would like access to my earnings preview and review, all you have to do is become an Above Avalon member. So you can head over to AboveAvalon.com. If you're on your iPhone, you can go to the little menu button up top and then go to the membership page. Sign up is very simple, very easy. It's either $10 per month or $100 per year. Based on member feedback over the years, earning season is always a great time to kick off a new membership. The cornerstone to Above Avalon Membership is access to an exclusive daily email that I write all about Apple. Each email is about 2,000 words containing two to three stories. And so we talk about strategy and business analysis, financial modeling, earnings, keynotes, and we also talk about the current news cycle. So we'll talk about competitors, really anything that may impact Apple, we go over Additional member features include access to the archive so you can read previous daily emails, and also you can join the Above Avalon team in Slack and communicate with other members from around the world. If you are already a member, thank you. Above Avalon is 100% supported by its members, so I appreciate the support. And if you are thinking about becoming an Above Avalon member, thank you in advance. With that, we will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later.